with space. And there goes Tyree McCants. Inside the five and in. What a touchdown. And he can pick him up and put him down as he drags the UCF defender into the end zone. Timmy McClain, the talented freshman. A year ago, he was leading Seminole High School to a state championship. Tonight, he gets the nod. Starting quarterback for the Bulls. McClain stepping up, firing over the middle. It's caught for the touchdown. let's do it it is week seven in college football and usf is set to take on tulsa tomorrow welcome back to another edition of the fletcher and fowler podcast i'm your host will turner as it's evident usf needs a win they lost their last two they've lost four of their last five and y'all know the rest y'all know what's happened since if you've been a, a frequent listener of the podcast and uh, a frequent follower of USF football. It's not very good. It's not very good. But USF welcomes Tulsa to Raymond James Stadium this weekend on Saturday at 12 uh, Eastern time. Tulsa comes in at 2-4. and four, And when you look at the Golden Hurricane, the first thing that jumps off the page to me is the fact that they have two really, really bad losses in the form of UC Davis the FCS opponent, they lost on a Thursday night you know, on prime time, if I'm not mistaken. They lost 19-17 to against Cal Davis and then lost to Houston on a Friday night, the first Friday night in October, 45-10. to Their other two losses have come against some pretty uh, impressive opponents, to say the least, between Oklahoma State losing 28-23 to and then Ohio State 41-20. to and they kept Ohio State close through halftime, if I remember right, uh, and I think even through three quarters. Granted, I know the Buckeyes have kind of their own issues, but uh, Tulsa, Tulsa really played them tight, so that was interesting to see there. And their two wins are Arkansas State, a 41-34 win, a touchdown win over the Red Wolves, and then the 35-29 to win over Memphis last week on the Golden Hurricanes homecoming, which... Memphis is starting to become a team that I don't think is as good as people thought they were heading into the year. Uh, they've now lost three straight, including one to Temple. It's weird. College football is weird. We know this. It's weird in 2021, and it's weird with this Tulsa team. Can't really figure out what the heck they're gonna, what the heck they're they're doing, and what the heck USF is doing. In all honesty, so. The betting line opened as Tulsa as a 10-point favorite heading into the week. That line has shrunk to 8.5, which uh, you have to wonder if some of the injuries that the Golden Hurricane have suffered, including uh, a foot injury to Kendron Ray, uh, one of the Golden Hurricane's top safeties, starting safeties, started a, a, a hefty number of games for them over the last few seasons. You wonder if those played into some of those uh, betters, you know, maybe potentially moving the line a little bit. So currently Tulsa picked as a 55 to 45% winner over USF on ESPN's FPI. And then the Golden Hurricane picked as a 33 to 22 winner over USF via S&P Plus. 
uh, from ESPN's Bill Connolly. So Tulsa's favored pretty much everywhere here, which is interesting to me. Um, you know, obviously I'm not really uh, going to be picking USF to win games right now if, if I'm a better uh, or if I'm in any position of, of advising people how to bet on these games or anything like that, which obviously I'm not, but I, I'm not picking USF as a favorite until they until they show they can win. Maybe the maybe the Temple game next week. I mean, ESPN FPI has got them as a favorite to beat Temple in that regard. So we'll but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But USF needs a win. It's evident. Uh, this is a great weekend to do it. You're back at home. You got a string of four or five games at home to finish off your home schedule between Tulsa, Temple, Houston uh, to begin November, then Cincinnati the week after on that Friday night. So it will be very interesting to see how this one goes. Uh, USF leads the all-time series over the Golden Hurricane three games to one. They had never lost at a Golden Hurricane until last season. Tulsa won 42-13 in Tampa last year on that Thursday, Friday night, something like that. It was the debut of the black uniforms, uh, the new black uniforms, the one that's, that they wore for the Florida A&M game. So that, that was the debut of that, and it was a, it was a debut to forget. Uh, Noah Johnson played really well in that game, but you know you saw all three quarterbacks between Noah Johnson and Cade Fortin and uh, Jordan McLeod. So that was a that was a weird game. We'll talk to our guests later on about it. So before we get to to introducing our guest, I'll keep this to a fairly short intro here on this edition of the Fletcher and Fowler podcast. If you are listening for the first time and you do enjoy the content, please feel free to subscribe and potentially. Consider giving us a five-star rating on all of your favorite major podcast distributors. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, I think, something like that. Who knows? But we're on all the major, at least the major four in my eyes, podcast distributors currently. Feel free to give us a rating and some feedback, and hopefully it's a five-star rating for the content that we're doing. If you have any additional feedback that you like to share with us my twitter is at wturner247 my dms are always open for fans to share feedback about the podcast we appreciate you listening and we're excited to continue to grow this in the usf space as i've continued to say we apologize for not getting anything out over the bye week um a little bit of a crazy week for for me my girlfriend of seven years uh was off to vet school in the caribbean uh last week so been a little bit of a struggle trying to to get content out with uh you know obviously a, a pretty uh significant event uh going on for the two of us but we're back we go back and and we'll have uh probably a podcast uh following the game i don't know if it'll be at ray j like we did at smu or not but we should have a, a post-game podcast uh following the tulsa game win or lose and then trying to drop one midweek uh we, I've, I, I've been talking to to my co-hosts that we've been talking about for for weeks and and they're like when are we gonna get on so we uh we're gonna try to drop something midweek we'll see what happens but for today our special guest is none other than the incredible tulsa world writer that writes tulsa basketball tulsa football oral roberts basketball kelly hines joins the show 
today she we she we found someone that actually covers Tulsa athletics, which is phenomenal, which is something that we were shocked to be able to do. Granted, I, I've seen Kelly on the timeline quite a few uh, weeks and in, in years leading up to this matchup. She's been on the beat quite a while. Um, so I, you know, Kelly is, has been someone whose work that I've admired over the last few years that I've seen her, but you know, it was, it was, it was cool finally to, to get a hold of someone from, from the Tulsa world well, Tulsa Spear, since the newspaper is a Tulsa world, from the Tulsa Spear that actually was was able to to, to hop on a podcast with us that you know was wasn't necessarily a fan. So we appreciate Kelly for for hopping on and and she gave some fantastic insight into the Golden Hurricane and some of their woes and and why they give up so many passing yards and you know why they played Ohio State well, but maybe why they didn't play UC Davis well and you know. There's a lot of good insights. So without further ado, we will transition to our interview portion where you'll get to know the Tulsa Golden Hurricane with Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World. And joining us now on the Fletcher and Fowler podcast is one of the few people that I could find that covered the Tulsa Golden Hurricane uh, and probably the one of the best folks that I've seen across the Tulsa media world over the last uh, few years. Um, Kelly Hines, the Tulsa world sports writer that covers uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane men's basketball, football, and a little bit of Oral Roberts as well. I mean, uh, Kelly, I appreciate you for, for hopping on with us today. Oh, no problem. You, I, before we get into to, to Tulsa, I saw the Oral Roberts, and I'm sure you had to have, you had to have had just a fantastic time covering that uh, NCAA tournament run last year. Yeah, that was really unexpected in a lot of ways. Um, unexpected that, you know, Oral Roberts, uh, you know, got that far into the tournament, and also unexpected that I was covering it, because I never covered Oral Roberts before that, but uh kind of um, got thrown into it, spent a lot of time in Indy in March, and um, had a blast. I mean, it was very, um, just a wild, um, really fun experience. And uh, so after that, you know, I kind of decided, well, you know, it makes sense for me to sort of split time between Tulsa and Oral Roberts. They're both here in Tulsa. Oftentimes their games are not on the same nights. Um, And so I thought, you know, I'll just try to cover both. And now that we're getting very close to basketball season. <laughs> I'm starting to think, what was I, what was I thinking? But it'll be fun. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I mean, Tulsa getting into basketball season a little bit down the line. We just had conference media day uh, today. I think Tulsa goes tomorrow. I mean, Tulsa's not got a, it. Tulsa's got a pretty darn good program in itself. So it's got to be fun to have two, two solid basketball teams to cover from, uh, from November to, to March uh, in, yeah. in Oral Roberts case. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and, you know, the, the exciting thing about basketball season is, and, and somewhat with, with football, but it seems like more so with basketball, you don't know what direction it's going to go. It just seems right. a little bit more unpredictable. And, you know, with there being so many games um, and, you know, so many different storylines emerge, um, I really enjoy, um, you know, after football ends, you know, being able to focus on basketball, it's the overlap that's a little bit brutal when you're trying to pay attention to both yep. of them. Yep. And so uh, <laughs> November and December are, are kind of tricky, but it's a fun challenge. We're not here to talk basketball. We'll, we'll get into basketball when it gets down a line. But um, 
USF comes off their bye week to face Tulsa to welcome Tulsa inside Raymond James Stadium uh, this Saturday, a noon Eastern kick in Tampa. USF leads the all-time series against the whole Golden Hurricane three games to one, but they're tied in Tampa after Tulsa last year on route to their 6-0 and record in American Athletic Conference play, beat USF by 29. What do you remember about that game in Tampa last year? You know, it was crazy because that was one of, you know, the first games of, of the season that I wasn't at because we didn't travel um, because of COVID. So, like, watching that sort of unfold on TV, that was kind of one of those, um, you know, it's just it's been rare for Tulsa to have dominant-type performances um, in conference play. And that was a really impressive game. Um, and that's when I started to think maybe this team could get on a roll here. And that's what happened. So, you know, um, I, I really feel like that, um, you know, because last year Tulsa had so many games canceled and postponed and there was just so much scheduled drama um, that it was really difficult to generate some momentum. But I really felt like um, after seeing that game, um, they had a much better sense of, of who they were and what they were capable of, like on both sides of the ball. Tulsa ended up, I think, getting out to an early lead. Obviously, USF went one and eight. Uh, Tulsa had a 21 point third quarter in that one. And that was a game, I think it was on a Thursday night too. Um, USF was debuting some brand new uniforms and stuff like that was really hyped for the game and all that good and, and all that normal stuff. But Tulsa came in and I, what I remember, I just remember it was just pure domination, especially on the defensive side of the ball. That was the first time I'd seen, uh, Zayvon Collins, uh, live, uh, cause I think he, he um, can't remember about the year before or I, I actually USF and Tulsa didn't play in 19 they played in 18 so that, right. so that was the yeah. first time I had seen him live um, USF obviously had the USF fans listening know that the quarterback rotation uh, but Tulsa was in route to uh, an AAC championship game appearance Zach Smith played really well in that game um, Deneric Prince played really well in that game Collins uh, I think had an interception at one point in that game and, and played really, really well. Um, but this is a Tulsa team now coming into this game here in 2021 that uh, I've, I've been asked by a couple of fans, what do you think? And, and I just can't give them an answer because, you know, I look at the schedule and I say 1917 against UC Davis and then the Golden Hurricane go, they play OK State tight. They play Ohio State tight for three quarters. And then, uh, lose very badly to Houston before beating a slumping Memphis team. Through these first six games, Kelly, what is – how do you wh – what do you make of it? I mean, because it's kind of been up and down uh, from, from, from the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's hard for me even, you know, as, as the beat writer to sort of assess this team because, you know, every game has had its own issues. You know, the, the opener, um, Tulsa had so many guys – key guys, starters, um, prominent players not participate in that game because of suspensions that stem from the, the post-game bowl brawl, you know, last year with Mississippi mm. State. And so, you know, and that was – it was just a weird game. Um, and so you could kind of explain how that happened, that it lost an FCS team. And then, you know, they go and perform pretty well, you know, playing two Power Five teams, especially at Ohio State. I mean, they Tulsa played really well. Um, yeah. And then, you know – things since then have been kind of up and down you know before the Houston game like 
Um, a big portion of the team had a stomach bug and they were missing practices. I mean, you can't really explain how poorly they played with that because that was a very, very bad performance. But, you know, they're still, you know, even at the midpoint of the season, they're still kind of hard to figure out because you've seen some really good things. You've also seen some really bad things. So, right. um, you know, I, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is, you know, they've, they've really struggled with penalties and that's, that's a big concern. Um, I wrote a story about that for today. Um, you know, Tulsa leads the nation in penalties since the start of the 2019 season, um, did a little bit better in that regard last week, but it's, it's a recurring problem and, and it's going to be difficult to win games um, when you are averaging nine penalties a game. Right. What and I, and I wrote that story and I and I liked and I liked the insight because that was something that USF was committing extensively under Charlie Strong was they would just look very undisciplined. They were probably you know bottom fifteen, bottom twenty in twenty nineteen, and Jeff Scott's kind of turned the turned the tide a little bit within the last two years. What for Tulsa has been the biggest problem with that? Is that just in in terms of maybe guys being uh, too aggressive or is it is it a scheme it's a is combination it of, of different things you know like I, I broke down all of all of the penalties and you know there were um holding calls on both sides of the ball you're gonna get a lot of those but the offensive line has had way too many and then mm. in terms of offensive um pre-snap penalties it's been a huge problem I mean there were 44 false starts of the 245 in the last 27 games. I mean, that's a lot of false starts. Um, yeah. And, you know, just illegal motion, illegal shift, you know, just stuff that you're like, just stop doing that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it puts them behind the chains and then, you know, suddenly they're, they're you know, it's third and long and, and you know, the, the, the especially in previous years, the, the passing game has been really erratic and, and you're just putting yourself in, in a bad situation. Um, really with the penalties but there are also there were a lot of personal fouls and unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and those are the ones I'm like for sure those are avoidable like 90 percent right. of the time those are going to be avoidable and those are the ones that you know if I were a coach I would just beat my head against the wall I mean there were a lot more last year than than this year but there still have been quite a few of those and and that's I think those are the most disappointing ones because some of those maybe are, are being too aggressive but most of them is just being stupid yeah. <laughs> Trust me, USF fans listening are, are, are very, uh, you know, accustomed to that two years ago. I think, like I said, USF was, was, was very bad uh, penalty wise. And it, what, so what is, what is uh, head coach Philip Montgomery just had to say about it? Because one thing I remember is, is, you know, two years ago with, with, I hate, I keep bringing up the same thing, but it's, it's kind of a parallel in my mind is, you know, Charlie Strong didn't really have an answer for it. He didn't know how to fix it. They didn't know how to fix it. Just, yeah, and I, I think that's that's a big challenge. And, and you know, I think it's really frustrating, um, you know, for Philip to see the team continue to struggle with it because I saw them work on it, like, during the spring and during the preseason. That that was something, especially in their scrimmages, they they put such an emphasis on. And then it, for it to keep happening, I don't, I don't know what they need to do differently. I mean, last week it was better. They, they went from, you know, 11 in the Houston game to I think five against Memphis. That's, that's a good start. Um, yep. It's just going to be difficult to do that, like on an every game basis. Um, Memphis was just, I mean, that, that's a team that's, that they have a lot of things to figure out. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, they, they miss, yeah. they missed four kicks. I mean, three missed field goals and a, a Miss PAT. I mean, they reminded me of how Tulsa has been in the past, just like 
just, you know, can't, can't do something simple and, and then you lose a game because of it. Um, so, you know, in that game, Tulsa, I think was the better team and they, they didn't have to be so aggressive at times. And they, that's, you know, when they, they didn't get the penalties that they, they have previously. Davis Brin, uh, you know, you look at them, I'm looking at the box score right now between from that Memphis game. And I mean, it's like two completely different, like, things you've got Seth Hannigan who threw the ball 57 times for the Tigers threw for 463 yards and then Davis Brin threw the ball 21 times only completed 11 passes for 182 yards and Josh Johnson has the majority of that um, 140 yards on eight receptions just as you were watching that one play out what was what was going through your mind what I mean it was it just it seemed like a weird game it was definitely a weird game but you know um, Memphis how Memphis was defending was so much different from what Tulsa had seen the previous games, you know, teams have been really loading the box and making, you know, making it very difficult to get the run game established. And, you know, against Memphis, um, which had been pretty decent against the run before that game, you know, Tulsa was just able to pound it. And um, so it kind of became clear, um, you know, during certain stretches of the game that they were, Tulsa was going to have more success running the ball than passing. And so they just, uh, that's what they, you know, kind of were determined to do. Um, Shamari Brooks had a really good game. Um, Anthony Watkins had one of the best um, touchdown runs I may have ever seen. Um, and, you know, they just – their offensive line played a lot better than it did against mm-hmm. Houston. And so um, they didn't really need Davis to throw as much. Um, and he did, he did okay. Um, he's, he's been really impressive at times. There have been, been, been times when I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's an incredible throw. Or just his composure has been really good. But – you know, his protection has been a little bit shaky at times. And um, I, I think, you know, in that game, it just, uh, it was going to be a lot easier to have success um, on the ground than, than um, you know, trying to, to win the game um, in the passing game. Yeah, he definitely doesn't look necessarily as, as much of a refined passer as, as Zach Smith was last year. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, um, I think that, Zach had had more of that, like, you know, true, um, you know, passing ability. It just, they're, they're kind of difficult to compare. Whereas Davis is the guy who, you know, he's a gamer type player, you know, he's Mm going to like, you know, maybe take off with it and, you know, get some yards. Whereas, you know, Zach didn't really do as much of that, just different, you know, physical abilities I think where you know Davis I I think he's a good passer and I think he can be very clutch is he is it always going to be pretty probably not (laughs) right he he does sit at third in the conference behind Seth Hannigan of Memphis and Tanner Mordecai of SMU who USF fans just saw uh two weeks ago in Dallas with 1,649 receiving yard or excuse me passing yards and then, of course, Josh Johnson is second in the conference with 508 coming into the week. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, there's, you know, two things that stand out to me, uh, especially in the pass. You know, you switch over to the passing yards loud, and Tulsa sits at 118 in the country with just over 285 yards loud. But USF isn't far behind. They're only three spots higher, giving up about – seven or eight less yards uh, uh, per game. Um, USF secondary has been depleted. They've had injury problems. Cornerbacks uh, out, and hopefully they're going to get some of those guys back this week. But for Tulsa, 
you know, was it just kind of a matchup thing depending upon, you know, cause they played some, some, some really strong passing teams, especially Memphis. Cause the way that Memphis thrown the ball, Clayton tunes played really well for Houston um, throwing the ball. What do you make of that, that secondary and just, you know, why have they given up so many yards this year so far? Yeah, I think some of it's just, just the opponent. I mean, you know, Calvin Austin, the third had like 200 yards, you know, for Memphis and, you know, Houston, that Houston game, you know, that was just a disaster. And, you know, obviously Ohio State, Oklahoma State, they they did pretty well uh, in those games. So, you know, I think they're, the, the numbers are a little bit deceiving because I don't feel like the, the secondary is is that bad. They've just, they've had quite a few games with guys, um, you know, just like USF. They've, they've been missing guys or, you know, they've had guys out for targeting and, you know, just different things. But, you know, um, I'm doing a story for tomorrow on, Trayvon Fuller who's a transfer corner from Texas A&M and he's been really good and he's playing with um he has a broken finger on his left hand and he's basically has it wrapped up like a club and he he still has um I think he's third in the nation and passes defended he has two interceptions last week he had four pass breakups he's doing it basically with one hand um he's been really impressive so even though you know this the the stats, you know, for the whole defense aren't great. I feel like um, he's been really exceptional. You know, there, there are some shaky pieces elsewhere at times. You know, I think everybody's had good moments at times. It's just the consistency is not always there. Um, but I feel like Trayvon is coming on really strong. And, you know, they're going to need that um, because, you know, Kendarren Ray is going to be out right. for a while, most likely with a foot injury. Christian Williams, his status is up in the air after um, Tulsa's, Christian, Tulsa's Christian Tulsa's Williams Christian and Williams. USF's <laughs> Christian Williams will both be out this week. So yeah. there will be no, we were, we were joking about it before. There will be no Christian Williams on the field whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So and the crazy thing about Tulsa's Christian Williams is, you know, this is his seventh year of college really? football. And oh my God. He, like he's working on like his third degree. I mean, he's been there so long. We talked um, about Brady. His... Talk about Brady with Dr. Brady White from Memphis last year. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, Christian, his story is kind of crazy. He, uh, you know, had to medically retire because of a, a cyst on his spine. And then, um, wound up being able to have it operated on and was cleared to come back from football. And um, he's, you know, obviously very much a veteran on this team, but a, a big piece of, of the team just because of his experience. I mean, that's, that's a ton of experience that he has. Right. Who else stands out for Tulsa defensively? Because USF has been, has started to found their, find their stride offensively a little bit. And, you know, you look at the, the passing yards allowed, but, Tulsa will will take away the run pretty well. Who who else do you see standing out for Tulsa on that side of the ball um, come Saturday? You know, the defensive line is, you know, Tulsa uses a, a three-man front. So those guys are so valuable. I mean, they're fighting double teams basically every play. And Jackson Player, um, you know, he can play inside or outside. Um, and he is a beast. He's like one of the most impressive guys I've ever covered. Um, and when he's not on the field, to me, it's a very noticeable drop off. Like he, he had um, to miss, you know, the second half of one game and the first half of the following game because of um, a targeting call. And when he's not out there, that was the first half of the Houston game. And that was brutal um, to not have him out there. He's just, he's extremely valuable. Um, 
he's, uh, you know, he can get TFLs and sacks and all that, but more than anything, he's just like a, a problem um, for the, the guys up front to deal with. So um, I would definitely mention him and, you know, the middle linebacker, Justin Wright, um, he's, uh, he's pretty intense. Um, his nickname is psycho. Um, he's, okay. uh, he had 14 tackles last week. I mean, he's, he's, um, he's pretty impressive. Um, he's kind of the, the type that you want your middle linebacker to be like, you know, super aggressive and just really intense. Um, so those are uh, a couple of other guys. Right. Philip Montgomery has been the Tulsa head coach now for the past seven seasons with a record of 33 and 44. Obviously last year was one of his best years um, in quite a while uh, going six and three uh, with a, you know, the uh, three points away from knocking off Cincinnati, but you have to go back to 2016 before you find their first winning season, which was a 10 and three season, his second year. For for Philip and, and and it's a little hard to tell with Tulsa just because you know we don't really have we don't have a twenty four seven person that that works the recruiting and I don't know how you know in depth you are with the recruiting aspect and but how have you seen you know Philip through the last seven or eight years and the way they've recruited and the way they've picked up transfers is there anything notable that that really stands out that sees you know maybe that indicates more consistent success instead of maybe a 10 win season here or, or a six win season here, you know, like, uh, like they've kind of done over the last half decade. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to be consistent when you're the smallest FBS school, you know, Mm. 3000 undergrad students, it's really small. There are high schools here in Tulsa that are bigger than that. Um, And, you know, you, you have different academic standards than, than a lot of the teams you're going up against. And, um, you know, your facilities are probably not going to be as nice. You're just, you're just dealing with different things. I think Tulsa in a lot of ways still like punches above its weight. It's just maybe not seen like on an every year basis. Um, you know, so they're mostly going after the, the two, three star guys, um, maybe trying to find some hidden gems, obviously that worked with Zayvon Collins. It's worked with, with quite a few guys. They're finding some, you know, like Kendaren Ray was a high school quarterback who did play some on defense, but you know, just really athletic guys and um, developing them. They've been really good at that. Now the challenge, you know, with the transfer portal being what it is, is holding on to those guys. You know, they had um, two four-year starter corners decide to transfer to Missouri, you know, in the offseason. That's severely affected, you know, this season. Um, I, I think that's just one of the things that comes with, you know, being a smaller school and, and developing, you have a chance to lose the guys that you've developed and they're going to go be good somewhere else. But um, I think, um, you know, for the first time, um, you know, Philip and his staff really uh, went to the portal and, you know, the, the highest ranked recruits, you know, on the team currently were all transfers. So, you know, they're not going out and getting four star guys anywhere. You know, they're, they're getting yeah. transfers like, like Trayvon Fuller um, from A&M and, and um, Anthony Watkins came from Missouri. Um, Elijah Taylor, you know, he's a defensive lineman. I mean, they've, they've gotten some really good transfers. Um, it's just, you know, trying to get that to come together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, that's obviously a challenge and it depends kind of, you know, when they arrive, if they go through spring ball, you know, it makes things a lot easier. Um, but, you know, I think that's going to be the ticket moving forward. You know, you're going to try to find those guys and develop them, but you're also going to have to use a portal. It's going to have to be a combination. And, and they, 
I think they'll have success with that. It just, you know, it's the hard part is with transfers, things don't always transfer. Hours don't always transfer over to Tulsa. And certainly grad transfers are a lot harder to come by because um, there aren't as many, you know, graduate programs. Um, So Tulsa doesn't do as much of that. They've had a a couple, but, you know, not very many. Um, So, you know, there are certain things that they have to deal with, but, you know, I feel like what they did for this season, um, you know, it's, it's worked out well so far. Tulsa and USF were, were two schools um, that were not included in the latest round of, uh, of conference realignment. I had read something that Tulsa was trending maybe towards the Mountain West. Obviously, nobody knows where anybody's going to go. There's, you know, the, there's questions that, that Tulsa uh, or the questions that the American might merge with CUSA. Who, who the heck knows? But how, how do you see Tulsa kind of going forward um, in, in terms of conference realignment, in terms of where they could potentially end up down the line? Do you see them, you know, just where, how do you see it there? I've always felt that the American was a really good fit for Tulsa. You know, it, it definitely, um, obviously the conference loses some of, some of its appeal when, you know, those other three schools have, you know, are on their way out. But I still feel like, um, you know, despite the challenges, like Tulsa can compete at this level. I don't think that there was ever anything to that Mountain West thing. I think that that was okay. not accurate. Um, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, I, I definitely feel like Tulsa does not want to go back to Conference USA. I mean, it was such a big deal to, to move from, com- from Conference USA to the American. That was a big step up. And even though, you know, I, I never really bought into the power six moniker and I definitely don't think that that will be a thing moving forward it, it, I still think that the American will be able to separate itself from you know other conferences in the group of five and this will continue to be a good fit for Tulsa I mean Tulsa's um you know 120 conference titles you know spread over all all 17 of its sports um and that will now rank first of the remaining schools in in the American so if things, you know, hold on for, what, yeah. you know, however it turns out. But, you know, I, I think they compete really well in um, the other sports. And, you know, there's been success there in, in football and in men's basketball, which those are the sports that, you know, most people talk about. And I, I just feel like it's a good fit. Um, and obviously the financial aspect, you know, for a university like Tulsa, even if that lessens some, you know, with the other schools leaving, it's still going to be more than, than what it's been in the past. And that is a huge benefit, not just to the, to the athletic department, but to the university as a whole, because, you know, financial problems are existing everywhere, but especially at, yep. you know, such a small school like Tulsa. So I, I think that, you know, most people, if not everyone at the university is, is hoping that, you know, things continue with the American. Yeah. And looking, speaking to the, to the uh, just enrollment number alone, Tulsa has 2,929 undergraduate students and overall Roman is just below 4,000. Meanwhile, you go out to Tampa and you've got USF, which sits at 50,830. <laughs> you go up maybe an hour and a half up by four and they've got about 71,000. Right. Um, so it's kind of a, you go from one extreme to, to another extreme, but uh, uh, one, one more for me, and this is obviously the, the, the mandatory piece, right? Uh, Tulsa opened as a, as a 10 point favorite coming into the week. 
Uh, I think that number shrank to eight and a half. Uh, but the Golden Hurricane are still favored to win. I think at ESPN FBI gives the gives the Hurricane a six or fifty five percent chance, something like that, to win over USF. How do you see this one going on on Saturday? Does Tulsa win two in a row? Does Tulsa win two in a row, or uh, will USF get their first conference win since twenty nineteen? Man, Tulsa has been so difficult to predict. I mean, Tulsa has been favored <laughs> in the last, I think. Um what, four games now, and, and Tulsa's even favored against Houston, and that was a disaster, 45-10. I think that was the final score. Um, I, I do think that Tulsa will win this game. I, I think that this is a, a decent matchup, and, um, you know, I, I think this is a, another opportunity to kind of get some things going, um, particularly on offense. Um, I, I, I think that this is a game that, you know, Tulsa needs to win. That doesn't necessarily mean it will happen um, because, you know, it just doesn't always – things don't always play out the way that right. they should. But um, I, I do think that, you know, if I had to pick a team, I, I would say that, that Tulsa, you know, this is, this is a game that Tulsa is fully capable of winning. They'll probably have, like, 15 penalties and, you know, give up a late <laughs> we'll touchdown. For, we'll be there for three and a half hours and <laughs> – are you making the trip out to Tampa? Yeah, I'm. I'm leaving on Friday. I'm, I'm excited go. to uh, go to another road game after you know not not going to many games last year. It's it's kind of difficult to get back in the swing of things, but uh, I'm looking forward to you. it. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, USF was coming off the the two games with BYU and SMU, and I got home for the bye week after the <laughs> Dallas trip, and I was like, I'm done. I need a home game. I need like two <laughs> yeah. or three. Yeah, I'm just ready for an open date, you know, after this week. Uh, I'm going to have a, a little bit of a break, but then, you know, as we talked about, basketball starts up, so it's not, not really, you know, this is the time of year when things are hectic. So if you ever wondered, USF fans listening, if you ever wondered how crazy us reporters are, we just kind of laugh and cry typically whenever we're talking to each other about all the things that we yeah. have to do. This is like a typical <laughs> <Yeah>. conversation. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I feel like I'm always like just on the verge of like a nervous breakdown. This, October is a hard month. I mean, March is. is hard too because March, you know, dealing with March madness and then, you know, spring football. It's just, yep. it's one of those crazy times too. March and October are my favorite months of the year, but they are very stressful times. Yep, without a doubt. Kelly, how can everybody find you on social media and uh, support what you do with the, with the Tulsa World? Like if you wanted to go to TulsaWorld.com and uh, find where it says TU Sports Extra and just like click on all of my stories and refresh <laughs> like five or six times, that would really, really help me out. Um, and then uh, if you wanted to just go to my Twitter and, and follow the links from there, you could also do that. Um, it's Kelly Hines TW. So your homework, Fletcher and Fowler listeners, are to click on every single Tulsa Golden Hurricane link if you from the Tulsa At some World point, you'll you... probably have to subscribe. It's like a dollar, <laughs> though. It's not very much. Uh, hashtag get Kelly more clicks. I like it. Oh, uh, like yes. It. Yes. Um. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. I appreciate you taking the time. 
uh, I was grateful to, to find granted. I've seen, I've seen a lot of your stuff through like Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle and, yes. and, and, and other folks around the conference, but I was extremely, extremely glad to find somebody that actually covers Tulsa and see that they exist. I'm pretty much the only one. It's just me. Really? Of, uh, really? Yeah. I'm the only one who covers the road games. There are post games sometimes when it's just me. Um, there are TV guys who do a good job, like for home games, but you know, primarily it's, it's just me and, and that makes it, you know, there are good pros and cons to that. After a loss, like after the Houston lost, I was, I was the only one on the post game zoom and, uh, that was brutal. It was really, really brutal, but yeah, I was after SMU, after the loss of SMU, it's like auditorium style seating in the, in the visiting media room in, and it's like. I don't know if you've ever been to Ford Stadium. It's like the, oh, it's yeah. the weirdest maze yeah. I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And it's like auditorium style seating. And Jeff Scott sits down in front of the, the, the iPad for the Zoom. And there's a row of auditorium seating. So that's the first row. And, you know, I went to college. You don't sit in the first row. Right. <laughs> um, so you know, you sit in this. So I sat in the second row. I had the USF athletic director, Michael Kelly, were over my right shoulder the entire time. I was the only one in the media room. I've never been more just a more of a nervous wreck after. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've, I've been in situations like that and it's just weird. It really is. But Kelly, thank you so much for, for, for joining the program. Uh, greatly appreciate it and safe travels uh, to, to Tampa. All right. Thank you so much. So if you ever wanted to do a look into the mind of a journalist and what goes on, especially in college athletics with a program that's not doing very, you know, all that well and in a small market, that's what it is. <laughs> and, you know, we we talk so much about, you know, being nervous and whatever and, you know, having a lot to do and being overwhelmed with the amount of content. October's a busy month and, you know, all that good stuff. We, you know, we really love what we do and, and, and are, and are, are blessed to be able to tell stories and, and, and do podcasts like these and, and things like that to be able to bring you all content. So I appreciate Kelly for, for hopping on. She's, she, she was a treat to have on, uh, it, one of the, like I said, only folks covering the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. So it's, uh, it was a pleasure to have her on and, and. She will be in town in Tampa providing her own uh, commentary. So make sure to follow her on social media and make sure to subscribe to the Fletcher and Fowler podcast here on your favorite megaphone.fm browser or Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio or Google Podcasts or Spotify, whatever you listen to podcasts on. We're probably there. So just make sure to, to hit subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast. And we will be back sometime after this Tulsa game, uh, probably Sunday, if not Monday, providing breakdowns. You know how it is. You know how we do things here. So we will be back following that, and we appreciate everybody listening. And on behalf of Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World, I'm Will Turner. I've been your host on the Fletcher and Fowler podcast. As always, we appreciate you hopping on and listening with us, whether it's on your drive home, whether it's during your work day. We appreciate you you tuning in to the podcast. So thanks again. We'll see you after Tulsa, and we'll catch you on the flip side.